What helped me a lot personally with the buyers is... So the big question is, what are top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate? To get the answers, we interview the top real estate agents to learn their secrets to success. If you would like one-on-one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Elite Agent Secrets. Today, I'm joined by Vladimir Westbrook. Now get this, guys. Eight years in the business. He's the broker owner of Westbrook Realty. And they have done, or he has done, over $400 million plus in sales. But there's a story behind that. So stay tuned because we're going to unwrap it. Because today, we'll talk about should you concentrate on working with buyers or sellers? How to avoid the trap of becoming a discount agent? and creating content that stands out. So without further ado, Vladimir, how are you? Welcome to the show. Wonderful, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm so excited to talk to you, man. Hey, take me back to day one, seven, eight, well, actually eight years ago, because seven years ago, you started scaling, aka last year. But before you started doing that, do you remember what your first, second, third year looked like? Like, why why did you want to be a broker owner, and why not just take the easy way out and just be an agent? You know, I I remember vividly how I started in real estate. Uh, it, it it had a set of events that helped me memorize exactly how that uh, went. And I'm gonna take you back to November 2015 when I first got my license. Yes. I was going to that exam knowing that I cannot fail. Uh, absolutely, I cannot afford to to fail and come back and do it again. And here is why. Uh, a few months prior to November, uh, I think three to four months, I ran into investors that were buying new construction homes from developers. And that was their idea of flipping homes without doing any work, actually. So they would buy a brand new home, wait for a couple of years for it to increase in equity, and then sell. And I asked them whether they would be interested in me searching for those deals for them, bringing them to them on, on the plate, and them buying it, me getting commission. So it seemed like uh, it would work for them, would work for me. And I started looking for these deals without even being licensed. And so a couple of months I spent with them searching for these deals while studying for my license. Then eventually in November, uh, we went to this new construction site in San Francisco called Shipyard. And they were building thousands of homes projected over the next few years. And my investors wanted to buy three homes there. Okay. And they told me ultimatum that we are going to get into three contracts this week with you or without you. How about that? And so my exam was the next day. And that's why I was going into it thinking I cannot fail. I had tens of thousands of dollars on the line if I don't get that exam. See, this is why this is why I fucking love us as immigrants, man. We just make it happen. You know, exactly. It, no excuses. You got the gun up against your head and you're like, I'm either gonna make it work or I'm gonna make it work. I came here and I'm doing it. I and love it. the main thing is that uh, thank you for highlighting that a lot of people ask me, 
should should I get my license first and then explore my options? No, as, as soon as you think about it, just go out in the field and, and, and see what you can explore, see if you can help out while you're getting your license. Why lose that precious time? And in this situation, I think it's that uh, goal setting that I was setting up for myself, as well as a bit of luck uh, to be in that time uh, of circumstances to find these people willing to go, get into three contracts right away. So long story short, I go into my exam. I was in Oakland and I was about halfway through, uh, but I, I was quickly doing the questions and the fire alarm sounds. And so it's, it's a high rise building. The whole building gets evacuated. This keeps getting more and more interesting. And I'm thinking to myself that uh, I, I need to finish this exam as soon as possible because I have money on the line. So while we get evacuated, uh, so imagine hundreds and hundreds of people standing outside for the next two hours. The people that were doing the exam told us that, don't worry, we're going to put it, uh, everything on pause. We're going to evacuate. We're going to come back and finish the exam. And once we come back, they tell us, oops, it looks like the exam didn't pass, uh, didn't pause. So whoever was able to pass halfway through is going to get license. Whoever is not, it's okay. You're going to come back next week. I'm thinking I cannot come back next week. This is like life or death situation to me. And I had this golden rule. And this is for, for anyone who is listening to this while studying for their license. When I didn't know what the answer is to the question on the exam, mark C and keep going. Statistically, I, I, used to, I used to do like the same thing in, in, in school too. Right? Statistically, for some reason, the answer is C. We, we tested it and actually it, it, it happens more often than the other uh, three options. And so by the by half, uh, half time of the exam, I already had 150 questions answered. And those that I did, know, did not know the answer for sure, I was planning to come back. Mm-hmm. Now, luckily, that was enough for me to get my 70%, get licensed the same day, and the next day, get into three contracts. Wow. And so that's the story of how I was lucky to get into three contracts my first week in the job. <clears throat> Holy shit. So, you know, I'm assuming you did fairly well your first, your second, your third year. Well, how many numbers of transactions do you remember? So my first year, I got into 24 contracts. Okay. Your second year? Uh, second year was about the same, but, but coming back to the first one, and I didn't notice this for several years. I was in a business because my statistic was, I told everybody I got into 18 contracts my first year, because that's what actually closed. That's true. But when I look back, I realized that I got into 24, six of them got canceled. And we are often concentrating on the wins instead of losers. That's why my brain just erased those six contracts for, from existence. But I, I do think it's, it's a valuable uh, element of it because we need to understand that we, we need to fail uh, a significant portion of the time in order to succeed in the others. All right. So out of 24, 18 went through. Uh, price range was between 500 to a million dollars per so that that got me a little over 10 i think total million in sales that year Number. and all of those all of those were buyers and all of those were new constructions 
Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and let you know, if you would like access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. Now back to the show. So so diving into topic number one, should you concentrate on working with buyers or sellers? Why, why are we talking about that? Ironically, yours were all buyers, just like pretty much mine were other than one or two my first year. Absolutely. And here's why. The reason is very simple. I started interviewing all the agents I know, asking them for tips and advices. And almost every single one of them told me, get into listings, chase listings. Listings is the name of the game. And all, all, all of the other cliche directions revolving around listings. And I thought to myself, well, if everybody tells me to work with listings, who is working with buyers? I realized that in my market, buyers were heavily unrepresented. And in a lot of the situations, they they felt comfortable approaching listing agent to write an offer because there was not enough agents approaching them with value proposition of representing them and negotiating on their behalf. And when I started comparing this, obviously, this is more noticeable in hindsight when you look back and you compare it side by side. But... The way I see it right now, when you work with listings, there is typically an investment of money to acquire those listings. Yeah. Of course, you can do free methods. You can door knock. Uh, you, you can get out there and do open houses. But even at open houses, most likely you're going to run into potential buyers, not potential sellers. So when you work with buyers, you mostly invest your time. Right? You go to the open house. You, it's your show. You find leads. Then you work with them. The other reason why a lot of agents don't work with buyers because agents suck at follow at following up. <laughs> I have yet to, to hear an agent that would tell me, I love following up. No one, no one likes it. So you go to the open house, you meet all of these leads, and then you have to call them. Oh my God. Right. So to me, it works just fine because the the the, the system worked really well. You go to the open house, you meet people, you follow up with them. And it's a combination of personality and uh, experience in the field that would allow to for, for those buyers to, to stay committed and, and work with me. But what I didn't realize is that my buyers were slowly but surely becoming sellers. And the aha moment was about year four in the business when they started reaching out to me and asking for help with the new home. And some of them also became sellers. Some of them kept their homes and some of them decided to sell. So all of a sudden, without concentrating on listings, I started getting listings and them coming back to me as buyers. So one deal started turning into two, in some cases, three. And I think year four and five is when I really noticed business scaling and my listings organically scaling without any expenses on them. Yeah. And one of the things that we talked about even before we started rolling on the show is it took you seven years to get to 300 million and it took you the last 12 months to put 100 million in one year. So what what really changed? Was that you just doubling down and, and, and having those multiple years compound? Or did you change anything in order it's to... A, it's a combination of things. Um, we were bringing new things to our marketing strategies as well as I was bringing more people to the team. And I, I went on a hiring spree from 2018 to start bringing this. That's when we formed the company. And uh, we were hiring some talented agents that helped me 
get these numbers up. So it's not just just me. There's a lot of a lot more people got involved into it. Uh, the back office and the agents on the ground that help us to get into these numbers. Uh, in 2018, when we started the company, my main criteria for hiring agents was they need to have a pulse and a license. And that's why I hired. How, how much heartache and headache did that give you, my friend? Uh, a lot? Not enough for us to cover on this podcast today. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes in, in, the, in, the, in the process too. We all do. And I think it's part of the process. Uh, but I hired way too fast, way too many. But in a way that also led to see who is the stronger player in the company and to concentrate on those agents, help them scale up. Yeah. And help them to get into that six-figure income that agents get, get into this business for. Yeah. Do you, do you say that most people start out as a buyer or seller? Agent? I see a lot of the agents trying to get into listings. And I've seen a lot of them fail. Why? Because of uh, agents that invest into running Facebook ads. And they may set up... So basically, you're seeing the people that aren't running their business as a business. Those are the ones that fail. I would, I would say so. They uh, listen to some of the tools, how to generate seller leads. And some of them just go on online and Google, how to get seller leads? Well, you have to run ads. They start running ads. They not making money yet, but they are spending money. So yeah. in a way they're trying to run it as a business, but because they're new, say they do get a lead. They finally get the listing presentation they were fighting so much for, but if they're unexperienced, it's hard to win that listing presentation. What, what helped me a lot personally with the buyers is by the time I started working with listings, I knew how buyers think, how they negotiate, because I've done it so many times on, on the buyer's behalf. So all of the techniques, approaches, I started seeing in the other agents when they were negotiating with me and I was representing the seller, mm -hmm. right? So, so I think it's very important to study the buyer's psychology first in order to become a better listing agent. I like that because ultimately you have to get into the buyer's head in order to bring the right deal to know how to market the property. And you can't really do that if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, you, you could get far enough, but you're probably going to have a lot of cancels and withdrawals and expired yeah. listings because you just don't know what you don't know. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like one-on-one -on -one access to over 26 of the top agents in the country to help you scale your business, then head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com slash partner, or you can just click the link in the description below. 